At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. With your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been the penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Thursday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel here with Joel Conan and Dennis Dick. Well, news of the day. This kept this one under wraps for a while. Schwab interested in TD Ameritrade. So we'll talk about the implications of that deal. A lot of news to discuss as well. On the also on the MA front, a revised offer for Tiffany's. It's trading up on that headline. Uh, some earnings on our radar. We're looking at the Tesla event tonight, trading up ahead of that. Some uh, notable ratings as well. So a lot to get to. Our guest, Mark Yusko from Morgan Creek Capital Management. He was on the show at 8.35 to give us his thoughts on crypto and Tesla and whatever else is on his mind. Joel, what's the word here overnight? Uh, the word is we're trading in the red by 1.5 handles. Uh, by the dippers out last night, some negative news took the S&Ps Two ticks from Wednesday's low, 91 and a quarter. We rallied up to 12 and a quarter. Nice overnight range. So nice targets on the upside already, uh, almost a 20 or a little over a 20-point range. Crude in the green by 23 cents at 57.24. Gold in the red by 320 at 14.71. Silver following gold as well, down three and a half cents at $17.08. 17 Bitcoin, we lose eight thousand here, down two hundred and twenty-five dollars at seven thousand eight hundred and eighty-five. Triple D, what about this merger? Did not see this one coming. That's about what I have to say. I didn't see this one coming. They, I don't think the market saw it coming either. They kept this one, yeah, real quiet. You know. It's interesting, and and Maria Bartiromo was reporting that it's a done deal. She reported that this morning that this will be announced today. So this isn't a rumor. She's saying anymore. That, this that's deal also is what done. that's also what CNBC said. They said it could be announced as soon as today. So it sounds awesome. like this is not a rumor. This is going to be a done deal. So C Schwab is going to buy Ameritrade. CNBC did not give a price. Uh, Fox did, and uh, well, now I just I had it in front of me, but I lost it. But they it said twenty six billion. Thank you, thank you. Twenty six. Uh, I don't know what that adds up to. If it's going to be cash stock. We don't know the details of it all yet. Obviously, it's very interesting. I mean, the whole dynamics to all of this, you know, from the last month and a half is so interesting, because here you have Schwab, 
a month and a half ago, cutting commissions to zero to basically, you know, stick a fork like in Ameritrade, E-Trade, Interactive Brokers, like it damaged them big time. And you knew it would because we've talked about Schwab, their retail business, you know, it was like 12, 13%, very small. Meritrade's retail business is the bulk of it. So, I mean, you look at this and you think, well, why, if you were going to acquire a company, why did you knock commissions down to zero, take a huge source of revenue from that, that company, and then a month later you acquire them? I mean, it, it, I, I, do they regret doing that now? Do they regret rocking the boat and going to zero? I, I don't know if there's something else here as well. I mean, shareholders are rewarding both of these stocks, which is incredible. You know, and it's incredible to think about. Let's just stop and think about this. Come the, 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 in the middle of September, before commissions went to zero, Schwab was trading at $44 and Ameritrade was trading at $50. Now, commissions are zero. So both of these companies have lost a significant source of revenue. And Ameritrade's at 52 in the pre-market and Schwab's at 50. So, you know, Schwab's up 15% from where they cut commissions to zero. Actually, more than that because it happened in 42 um, so they're up, you know, almost 20% from where they cut commissions, commissions to zero. And Ameritrade was around 47. So they're up about 10% from where they cut commissions to zero. Are these companies better off now than they were the day before they cut commissions to zero? The synergies are going to help. I get the synergies, you know, and I totally understand that, you know, there's going to be some benefits to the synergies. But really, when you think about it, are these companies really better off? Because that's what the market's saying. They're 20% better off than they were the day before they cut commissions to zero. I don't know if I agree with that. So, but you know, I did not say Ameritrade coming back. I did not see this, you know, merger happening. It came back very quickly. So maybe people speculating that something like this could happen. E-Trade was a possible target that they had talked about for a long time. It's getting no love whatsoever. I mean, and this is, you know, interesting in itself as well. And I'll be done in a second. I'll let you guys go in. Sure, go ahead. Down 4% on E-Trade. Interactive Brokers. Interactive brokers trading up. So this is just, you know, the dynamics to this is exactly opposite of textbook. First of all, you have the acquirer rallying significantly, which is something we haven't been seeing lately, up 11%. You also have an, a sympathy uh, play with the stock getting acquired, trading down 4.5% in E-Trade. And then you have IBKR, which is, you know, virtually the same business model as E-Trade, trading up a buck and a half. So the dynamics to how these stocks are trading is very interesting to say the least. You know what? Do you think that they had this in mind when they went to the the zero commissions? They had to have. They no? You don't think so? No, I think I, I, I don't think so. Why would you? Why would you knock it down to zero if you were going to acquire it? I mean, you could say, okay, well, you could be conspiracy theory. We wanted to knock the price down, and we wanted to get it on the cheap because of that. But you knocked off a huge source of their revenue. You rocked the boat. I mean, you are trying to damage your competitors with that move. And then you go and buy the competitor out of premium to where it was trading, probably out of premium at least, you know, to where it was trading the day that you did that action. I think if they really were thinking about that, I think that's like, they didn't do a very good move then. And, I think they regret it probably. And remember, Schwab didn't start the, the, uh, the, the zero commission madness in October. Interactive Brokers started that. Interactive Brokers came out at the end of September. With uh, with IBKR Light, right, and had no commissions. Schwab followed that up. Was IBKR Light out before? Yes, Spencer. Yes, it was by, by a week. So by they, a week they announced it, and then a week later we're Schwab- ripping here. We're ripping here on the S and P's. 
Okay. I don't know what's going on, but we are going out. Big. So what else is Dennis? I mean, what's well, not big, but we just arrived five handles. Just made a new pre-market high there. Yep. Went to 1350. So tough this market. I mean, just to even, you know, make sense of it half the time, but yeah, so we're going up. I don't know what the catalyst here is. I'm not sure what the news is, but um, we're ripping on the S and P's here too right now. So. so my, so my point was uh, Schwab followed up interactive brokers announcement with their announcement that they're in the commissions and they were the first retail broker to, to end commissions across the board for everybody um, online, at least for stocks and, and, and ETFs. So, and then TDA came and then Fidelity and then everyone else. So I don't know. I, I think you're right on paper. It makes sense. Schwab has more of the, the asset management uh, advisory ETF business. TD has more of the, the, the retail trading business. Uh, but this, this energies makes sense totally on paper on paper but it, it, it made sense like but why i just don't understand why and you know aviator is making a good point he thinks that they did i mean these I deals agree. do take a long time i do i agree with aviator yeah but why why would you do that then aviator and joel i'm asking both of you guys because why would you knock the business down why would you hurt your competitor if you were going to acquire them does that make any sense get them at cheaper price it doesn't make any sense he didn't get it at a cheaper price though i mean maybe you think you had to pay 60 I, I really don't think, uh, I think the business is worse off because of what they did. And maybe Spencer's making the point. I'd be care. I was going to, I'd be care light. Maybe they were all going this way anyway. So they needed to do it. And you know, they, they did, but man, I'm just shocked that if, if they really, you know, knew that they were, you know, this was their target and they were going to go acquire them. I don't know why you would ever knock the business down like that prior to it. <laughs> There's a lot. There's a lot of unknown. A lot of dynamics. There's here. a lot of dynamics. A lot of stuff that I don't understand. And, you know, I'm trying to wrap my head around it here. It's obviously we've only had an hour to digest all of this this morning. So, you know, more things are going to play out. But if I'm going to acquire a company, I don't want to hurt them before I acquire them. And that's virtually what you're seeing happening. So can we get that's what we saw can, Spencer, can you email Chuck and see if he will come on and explain the dynamics of this deal? I'll email Chuck. So, so remember that Tim Hockey, the CEO of Meritrader, had previously announced that he was leaving. I think it was next year he was leaving. Um, so there was some C-suite shakeup there uh, on the TD side of things. Um, but the TD's got to be loving this, man. They got, I mean, they, I mean, well, I, besides the price appreciation, but you know, for their business, you know, now it's all those executives there, they get, you know, premium back on their stock and now it's, uh, you know, someone else that needs. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, they were, didn't know what they were, you know, I'm sure yeah. that they were scrambling around a bit and now boom, like this is great for Amy, AMTD. There's no, you know, this is great for them. It's like a little bailout from, you know, where they're probably scrambling out. I mean, they still had a business. It wasn't like their business was destroyed. It was just a huge revenue source that was gone from it. A, a big chunk. You know, they were still going to get revenue from payment for order flow, which nobody talks about. They all say it was because of the deposits, but a huge source of this payment for order flow. We know that. So PFOF, they were still getting, and they were still getting obviously the revenue source from deposits and the interest they can make and lending. I'm figuring that stuff out. But I mean, when you really look at it here, um, they lost a huge chunk of revenue when they cut that commissions to zero. Uh, and the antitrust, which I'll buy underscore Apple's asking about, we talked about that on the pre-pre. Yeah, let's talk about it again, though. It's a good point. Yeah, 
I, I mean, my first instinct was there's no way, but I guess Dennis sort of had a good point there that between Fidelity and Robinhood, so and much. There are there are other retail brokers out there. There are a lot of them, and none of them quite as big, but there are a lot. So much competition out here. So I cannot see antitrust issues here at all. I mean, you, you got a really hard argument to say there's any monopolistic, you know, between Schwab, Meritrade. You got E-Trade still out there, Interactive Brokers. You got all the smaller ones like Webull, Robinhood. Like you said, Fidelity. You got the full brokerage side of it all. There's all kinds of places to trade. So there's no monopolistic concerns here whatsoever. And the commissions are at zero. It's not like commissions are, you know, they're going to be able to jack them up. There's no way they can rejack the commissions up because that would be like the antitrust concerns. Oh, well, if you get an all, then they can rejack the commissions up. That's not happening. So I don't think there's any antitrust issues here whatsoever. All right. Uh, interactive brokers went from, uh, it was red here for a little bit. and then It's it, green now. Yeah, it went to green now. I think it's good for that. Um, we'll just. I don't well, know, we'll just that doesn't make sense. Why, why is that trading up on this? More consolidation. With, what know, doesn't really make sense, with who? With, with, with E-Trade? With who? What's mind-boggling, Spencer, and it's a good point you're making. E-Trade's down 4%, and IBK is up 3%. Why is there a 7% spread between these two stocks? Isn't it the same thing? Why is one better than the other? They think interactive brokers are going to fare better than E-Trade because of this merger? It doesn't make any sense at all either. I mean, a lot of this doesn't make sense. It really, intuitively, the merger makes sense from Synergy's perspective, but it doesn't make any sense that if they knew about this, which they possibly did because these deals take a long time, that they were already talking, that they would actually, you know, hurt, you know, the Ameritrade business. I got to think that they didn't know about it. That's the only rational thought is I've got to disagree with Aviator and I've got to disagree with Joel that they did not know that they were going to, you know, acquire Ameritrade, that they weren't in talks yet. Because I, I don't know why you would do that otherwise. It doesn't make any sense. But a lot of things don't make sense anymore. So, you know, sometimes fading, you know, rational thought is sometimes a good trade. But buy the dip wins again here. I know Spinner said he bought some calls on the Meritrade dip. Buy the dip wins again. I mean, this market is just rewarded by the dip for a decade. And if you were buying that dip the day after the cut commissions to zero on Ameritrade, and E-Trade even, because E-Trade has come back a long ways from those lows, and Charles Schwab, because Schwab was down that day and came all the way back, you were rewarded once again. I mean, buy the dip just worked. It's, it's simple, and it seems to work. I don't know when it stops working. All right, let's, uh, let's, uh, we got some earnings to cover. Yeah, retail. I guess we'll, we'll, start, with, we'll start with Macy's uh, from this morning here, and it's not a good report. Q3 EPS, $0.07 cents is what they made last quarter, down from $0.27 cents a year ago. Sales, $5.17 versus $5.32 billion. Comps, down 3.9%. Remember, those are the that same store sales uh, for, for stores that have been open at least a year. And on top of all of that, they cut their guidance. They cut their full-year adjusted EPS guidance. Uh, from the high $2 range to the mid $2 range, they cut their comps guidance for, for the year from flat to up 1% to down 1% to 1.5%. Uh, nothing good. Not much good to say. Not much good to say. Terrible quarter. It was already hit pretty hard. So the bar was set so low for and, Macy's and they made, that if they said anything, anything remotely okay, that stock probably would have rallied. They just had to say anything remotely okay. There's nothing good in here. 
I mean, let's look at it. Sales, you know, down year over year. That's never a good thing. Sales missed the estimates. The EPS there is, uh, so comps are flat or up to 1%. They're cutting them. So they cut it down to 1.1. So they cut the comps. They cut the EPS projections. They missed the earnings. What else is there to say? You miss everything and you cut your guidance. The stock's going down even when the bar is set low. So we talked about this funny yesterday too. I was like, the bar is set so low for Macy's. Um, but I'm like, they're the kind of company that can actually come in under the low of that bar. That's what I said yesterday. I said, if there was one company that the bar is set low for, and I would actually be interested in it's Nordstrom. Because Nordstrom sometimes actually does okay and it's held up all right. The bar is set now ridiculously low for Nordstrom because we've had a Kohl's disaster, basically another Macy's disaster. And now JWN reports are after the bell. I'm going to say it again. If JWN says anything remotely okay, if JWN just doesn't cut guidance, the stock's going to rally. So JWN's down a buck here in sympathy here. I got to think that, you know, I don't know, maybe they're going to cut guidance. Maybe all three of them are going to cut guidance. I don't know. But don't you agree with me here, Joel? I mean, the bar yeah. set so low, they found a way to come in underneath it. There's still the 14 support. So before, you know, we all get all bearish, rah, rah, Macy's going to zero type talk. I don't think that's the case. I do think, you know, there's going to be some buy the dippers here at 14. But this was set up for them. If they just said anything okay, this was set up for that stock to, to actually have a rally. And it didn't. Yeah, they're getting well, I didn't play it long. I thought of, honestly, almost playing Macy's long just because the bar was set so low. But I, what scared me out was my own talk that I'm like, this is the kind of company that will come in under that low bar. If this was a limbo competition, they'd win it. Uh, we did sneak on a limbo competition. We did sneak under $13.46. Uh, that's your pre-market low. Uh, you know, the monthly low has been at, four, or the multi-year low has been $14.11. You're just above that right now. So we'll see. We'll see if, uh, if buyers are emerge there. But it's off the pre-market low by enough where I think if you do come back, actually, you just came down to 14, the last bracket. You did find some buyers here. So wouldn't want to be shorting it in the hole here, 13 and a half, 14 even. I think you'll find some buyers. We talk about buy the dip has not worked in this one. So <laughs> Certain stocks it does not work in. Yeah. The stocks that are hated by the market, I mean, Macy's now is a 10.46% dividend. At a certain point in time, you got to say to yourself, really, is the dividend safe? I mean, it wouldn't be trading with a 10.5% yield if it was safe. They just don't, market just doesn't give you 10. Oh, here, take this 10% yield in this 1% environment because it's completely safe. So it's obviously not completely safe. Are they cutting it as, an, as a cut imminent here? We don't know. But, you know, when the cutting guy and stuff goes down. What about all that valuable real estate? But it's all mall real estate. I know, I know. Mall real estate. And Joel was, I think, being sarcastic with that comment. I mean, the malls are, you know, not the place where people are shopping anymore. Besides Lululemon, you know, all the mall-based retailers, have, you know, some have done okay, but you bring up your play, what was your, Taubman Centers, TCO. That'll tell you because that's a mall-based REIT. So TCO will tell you they own a lot of malls. That's got an 8.2% dividend. So I'll tell you right there what they think about mall real estate. Look at the chart of this one. Bring it up on the monthlies. Joel was exactly right on this. This was his short play when the stock was $75. If Joel could hold better, like a man <laughs> like me, <laughs> or buy the longer puts, buy some leaps on that puppy. You had the call on this one, Joel. This thing's been cut more. This guy is down 60%. Since you were bearish about this stock two and a half years ago. You know what I think I'll do? I think I'll maybe when they make the integration, I'll just have them like only offer me like six month options. 
And then that's not, oh, the only thing to be offered on my platform is I'll have to go six months out on something and not be tempted to do it shorter term. But um, yeah, we will, uh, we'll see what happens. We got some more earnings, Dennis. Uh, I think, do we have Lazy Boy after the close? Well, Lazy Boy reported last night. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, last night. So we have LB and we have LZB. Which would you like to go to first? Let's do LB first. Let's, let's stick with retail. A good story. Kind yeah, of good well, story. At least, for, at least for a few minutes. The bar is low here. And at least, at, at least L Brands got over the bar, it looks like. So uh, Q3 adjusted EPS, $0.02. Cents. That is in line with the estimate. Congratulations. Sales, 2.68 versus $2.69 billion. So a slight, slight sales miss. They gave us some Q4 EPS guidance, and it was a $0.02 beat. The full-year EPS guidance was a $0.01 beat. So congrats to LB for at least uh, getting over that low bar. I mean, their dividend, if they're making $2.40 a dividend, still safe. It's 7.3% here. Um, that's the good news. The bad news is this business is just not doing well. We know Victoria's Secrets is not doing well. And if you are you know, jumping in this thing, you're buying a business that is you know, in trouble. And maybe they can turn around. They still are making good money here. That's the good news. The bad news is the chart still looks awful. You have an overhead supply issue. And the business itself is not doing well. So I'm out. I'm not buying all brands. I sell all rallies. It's up to 18, and I don't think you're getting uh, there. Look at all those highs at 18. all those highs. I'd love it to get up to 18 to short it. I don't think you're getting there. I don't think you're getting through 17. So, But we've seen squeezes happen. I mean, I don't know what the short interest is on this. I didn't bring it up. But we've seen squeezes happen before, so it's possible they could get back up over there. But Just holy did. mackerel. Yep, just did pop over 17 after the number came out. 17.38, but... I'm just looking at the yesterday's range and whew, boy, you got to clear 1710. So $17 area trading up 51 cents, big red bar from yesterday, clearing 17. You hold that the first 15 minutes. I think that uh, you got a chance, but big red bar yesterday. People will be happy to get their money back. Haven't taken out Wednesday's high yet. And then you had El Zebra Bobby. Yeah, yep. I didn't notice all LZB and I crept up here. Look at that. I mean, double Five minutes way back. Yeah. We have this one kind of, you know, I've never loved any of the retailers. I own very few in my long-term portfolio. But you know what? This was kind of bucked the trend. Really? I mean, look at 2013 up to, you know, where it is now. Stock's been a pretty good performer the last six or seven years. So those lazy boys, they just don't go away. People like the lazy boys. Well, not last quarter they didn't. So Q2 adjusted EPS, 52 cents versus a 54 cent estimate. So they missed that number by two cents. Sales, 447 versus 454 million dollars. So that's a miss and a miss for the uh, second quarter in Lazy Boy. Is this the start of something significant? Is this the you know the top, or is this going to be? We have a lot of support here between 30 and 32. A lot of support. So does it bounce here in this area? What did you do after hours, Mr. Alcona? Straight down. I mean, straight down. Going straight down? Yeah. yeah. No relief? Light volume now. I mean, pre-market lows, 32. You just made a low last bracket at 32.18. I'll see what happened at 32. Let's see if you got anything in there. Uh, Yeah, I see two lows, 31.80, 31.89, another one at 32.24. So I don't know, but it just looks heavy here. I mean, it hasn't, it really hasn't distanced itself from the pre-market low. But if you're trying to pick a bottom in here, uh, you can use that pre-market low. Pretty good support, 3180 to 32. Actually, I hadn't pulled this up in a while, and it seems like it 
goes up to 35 before earnings, then goes down to 25, works his way back up to 35, then goes back. I mean, it seems like it's been really like 30 has been a magnet, but haven't looked for a while at distance itself. So uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to get bound back down to 30 today, but that's been an area of long-term support in 2019. Couple requests for the Lazy Boy stories. It's too long, though. We got Mark coming on here. <laughs> we'll all our Next quarter, we can't. We only do it once a year. We can't do it every quarter because everybody gets sick of the story. If you've been listening to the show for more than a year, you've definitely heard the story before. That's a good story. It's when my buddy yeah. gets we'll, stuck in a Lazy Boy. We'll, we'll do it next year. We'll do it next year. Yeah, John's uh, of life were involved. We'll just say that. So okay, uh, one one more here on the retail. Let's do BJ's this morning. Uh, reporting Q3 adjusted EPS forty one cents, beat by a penny sales three point two two. Uh, nine versus $3.3 billion. So slight uh, miss on the sales and a slight beat on the EPS. They also cut their guidance. They cut their uh, full-year sales guidance um, really just by a smidge, not by a whole lot. They lowered their EPS guidance um, or they, they lowered the upper end of the range of their EPS guidance by two cents from a buck fifty to buck forty-eight. So slight guidance lowering and uh, basically an inline report for Q3 and BJ's. Every retail stock, I feel like, has been a disaster except for Target and Walmart. Really. I mean, Lowe's and Home Depot have been okay too, but you're thinking about like, this is just, it seems like Groundhog Day. We bring up another one, it's another retail disaster here. So it's right back to where we were before, where we were before September when all these other retail stocks were in shambles and then we had the laggard rally. Now they all give it back basically on their earnings report. I mean, Kohl's had an incredible month and a half run. Gave it all back in basically two days. So, I mean, Macy's never participated because it's the dog of the group and doesn't participate. But, I mean, there's been so many other retail stocks that have had significant rallies, and then they just, boom, it's gone. Lazy Boy is the same thing. Boom, it's gone. So, uh, that's unreal. I mean, You left just, out Costco there. Costco's been Costco, Yeah, so watch. You know, Kramer's right, the acronym, uh, the acronym. Walmart, Kramer made that acronym up. Walmart, Amazon, Target, Costco, Home Depot. And Home Depot missed, but it's still, you know, put it in perspective. I mean, it's still been pretty impressive. Lowe's, too. So I don't know how you throw the watch win with Lowe's, how you get Lowe's in there, but um, with that acronym. But he's right. That's been the retailers that have, you know, and obviously Amazon's been a little underperformer as of late. But, I mean, really, that's been the retailers that have rocked for the last five years. And all your other retailers have been losing to them. So, I mean, we look here, same story. Disaster for Macy's, BJ Wholesales, disaster. It's tough. It's tough to own any retailers. BJ, here though. I mean, if you've been waiting for this gap fill, uh, if you've been waiting since August 21st of this year, uh, you get you had a nice gap down to 22. You went from 22.67 to 24.33. You're back here. You filled that gap just in the pre-market trading. You got down to 22.30. You've bounced. So I expect I expect to see some buyers there in that area. Everyone got stuffed on that. That must have been an earnings report too. Uh, so that buyer on that day uh, before the big gap up, I expect to find support. I, might not even get back down to that area here, but as I mentioned, 2230 is the pre-market low. And uh, Spinner's asking if you traded that. Uh, was that the final day of Celgene? I trade Celgene and Bristol-Myers every day. It was a difficult trade last night. Um, so it's Celgene, and it's gone. It's off the board now, so it's gone. Um, but it was wild last night. It traded, it traded down in the close. 
And then it ripped all after hours. Bristol Myers was ripping there too. And obviously I always trade the two against each other. Uh, deal's officially now closed. And I'm going to miss this deal because I traded this stock, did these two stocks against each other almost every day, sometimes multiple times a day. Um, I'm really going to miss this one. It was a really good one. Like from a risk guard perspective, it was one of my favorite ones in a lot of years. So it's gone. Celgene is off the board here now. The deal closed this morning. So we're stuck with just Bristol Myers and I'm probably my volume in Bristol Myers is going to go way down because there's nothing to herb with it again now. So I'm sad. I have a little tear in my eye spinner that I'm not going to be able to trade that herb anymore. Are you going to do the uh, It's probably one of my best. Like if I looked at my P&L between Celgene and Bristol Myers, I bet you it's those two are, are right near the top of my P&L. It was really good. What are you going to ask me, Joel? No, you're going to trade the, the TD Ameritrade Schwab deal. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll trade it once it's announced. Like uh, when once, you know, we get the, usually I don't usually trade them on day one. You got to let, let the real risk or the big guns, let the institutions, you know, figure out the price and get it all set. And then I come in on the inefficiencies, day-to-day inefficiencies. So I'll play the risk on TD Ameritrade Schwab. It's, if it's a stock, if it's a cash deal, there's nothing to ever trade. I don't mean, I don't do any cash deals. But if it's an all stock deal, that's where, there's obviously lots of trade because you can keep trading the two against each other. Like Viacom CBS, I trade that at least a few times a week, and especially on the earnings. Like you get one moving, you know, it's really good. So CBS, Viacom, and if you look at the two charts, they pretty much hold, but they have little, you know, there's little spots and little pockets where there's little inefficiencies in there you can extract. So we talked about this in New York, you know, just classic risk guard. It used to be a lot better 20 years ago. I mean, I would compete with all the high frequency traders. So now you got to, you know, get a little bit, you know, a little more adventuresome, should I say, when the competition and the, and the way you trade these things. But, you know, for the most part, it's still doing the same thing and doing 20 years ago. It's just not as good as it used to be because high frequency traders have that a lot more efficient. Uh, speaking of deals here, Tiffany uh, getting a revised offer from Louis Vuitton, $130 a share in cash is the new offer. And according to Reuters, uh, they also got access, LVMH got access to Tiffany's uh, books after uh, making this offer too. So this one looks like it could happen here. Yeah, I mean, the smoke is smoking so much. You got to think there's some fire here. I mean, they're opening up the books now. 130, do they take the 130 or do they get it at 135? It sounds like eventually there's going to be a deal here. So if you shorten this thing thinking there's no deal, I mean, anything can happen. I mean, it's going to gap down to 100 bucks. So there's always, you know, the risk reward perspective, right? If you think there's a 70% of the deals happening at 135 and, you know, you're going to make eight, nine points and the deal happens, deal doesn't happen, goes down to 100 bucks, you're going to lose 23. I mean, you got to like do that math and figure out if it makes sense, you know, to be long or short. I'm kind of just out. It's, you know, the headlines here. I'll, I will trade the headlines when they break on it. And last night I tried, but it was really fast. Uh, but, and trade right up to 130, which again, you know, these algos, they see 130, 130, bye, bye, bye. I mean, okay, well, let's consider first. It's still just an offer. Let me give Not you a good. little tip here. If, you, if a yeah, stock yeah. is getting taken over at 130. Don't, don't buy it at 130. No, don't buy it at 137. 131.97. <laughs> I guarantee you that. I the algos are nuts. Unless you, nuts. They know nothing. I took that from you, Jim. <laughs> I, I mean, unless you, you were thinking, well, 130 is not good enough and it's going to 135, but. Uh, well, that's what their algo yeah. is thinking. We have a 130 bit, so that's going to be our floor now. Yeah, it's just it's still talking. We're talking here. 130. It's not getting, they're not getting 150. I don't think. They're not getting 140. I, don't, I, I think if they get a deal, it's going to be like 135. Maybe, maybe, maybe 135. 
So eight points upside here, in my opinion. This is obviously, you know, we don't know. We're not connected. I don't know anybody at Tiffany's. I'm just like logically putting, you know, the pieces of the puzzle together. And I think, you know, maybe there's eight bucks upside here at 127. Does deal doesn't go through. It's 27 points of downside. So yeah, it's not uh, really the most not a great risk reward I've ever seen. For sure. So, but again, these algos are wrong so much. I don't know who's running. There's some really unsophisticated investors running some of these news algorithms because you're exactly right. 130 bit, don't bid 131 and a half. And that's what, I, and actually I came in and it was trading and it was so fast. And then it was like trading about 130. I was like, should I short it? I thought it right away. Should I short it? I was like, uh, news is still settling. The dust is still settling. And then you see, and you're like, I should have shorted it. So hindsight capital is 20, 20 dollars. All right, 8.31, we've got about four minutes before we're going to bring in our guest. You want to talk about pot here? Let's talk about pot. Yeah, let's do it. Um, pot, pot caught pot a is hot. yesterday. Uh, we talked about the upgrade from Canopy Growth. And then midday came the news that a bill passed through committee in the House. The House Judiciary Committee approved a bill that would uh, legalize marijuana on the federal level. So that bill now has to go to the floor of the House. Should it pass that, it would go to the Senate. Should it pass that, it would, of course, go to the president. So a long way to go here, but definitely a step in the right direction for, uh, for cannabis in the U.S. And obviously the upgrade was the, the real kickstart yesterday because we haven't had an analyst come out, you know, with a really bullish, you know, on CGC in a long time. Like when was the last upgrade on CGC before that? Jeez. I'll look in the pro because yeah. I know look in the pro he'll go hunt the down information. So we talked about this, you know, potentially squeezing a little bit there and it did. I did not think this thing is going to rally 20% on it. Um, but I pl- tried to play it. So I bought some, some peers. I was able to get Kronos yesterday at 671. It opened up a penny only. I also got MJ. I bought the MJ itself and I was able to get that at the open at 1685. Zero heat on those trades. Um, scalper blood and me long gone. These were day trades. So I was like, I think they can pull up. So Kronos pulled up a bet. I got out and MJ pulled up a bet and I got out. I mean, now you're looking, it's continuing. The party is continuing here this morning. Um, and every single marijuana stock is up significantly here again. So pot is hot. With that being said, what have we been saying about, you know, what do we say for years? Stocks that are in clear downtrends. What is the thing you do on rallies? Like significant rallies. Yeah, sell them. You know, so I'm going to be the same thing here. I think this is the chance to get out if you have been holding these things and you think, you know, like, okay, well, you know, I bought and I was buying the dip. Maybe you're getting your money back. Maybe you're getting some of your money back. But I completely agree with what Spinner is saying. Tax lock selling is coming. These stocks, I don't believe, are going back. I don't think you're seeing CGC at $35, $40 again. I think, you know, we're going to run into a wall at 20. It's 18.72. 20 looks fantastic from a short perspective, in, in, in my opinion. Um, I think I think I'm not trying to call the top on you because obviously we just rallied two days ago from 13.69. But if you're coming in here and buying pot stocks right now, you are doing it backwards because this stock was $13.81 before the upgrade yesterday. Now it's $18.75 and it might even you know kiss up to 20. There's there's room to 20. So if you're coming here buying 1870, you got about a buck of upside, in my opinion, and a lot more downside. So I still say competition coming. Yes, there was some good news. Yes, we have an upgrade. Yes, you know, they were oversold. This is the relief rally that we have been talking that was eventually going to come. This is the relief rally, in my opinion, to sell. Just going back to the last upgrade from Canopy Growth was uh, in 
uh, late August from Seaport Global, and I only see two upgrades on the stock this entire year. So and when was that last one? How long ago? August 26th. So it's last. been a long time. And obviously a, they were regretting I mean, that upgrade because the stock's down 50% from that point in time. Right. All right, we got Mark. Mark's going to come on here. Yep. Yep. Well, I was just going to say Bank America hit that perfect storm because you also had the house. They timed that one well. well yeah. yeah, they, they had the key that reversal. Well. You mentioned that. It had the key technical reversal. And yep. then the uh, – waiting for. They were waiting for some life. I think they were sitting there on that paper waiting for some life, and they got it. And then they're like, okay, now's the time to strike. Perfect timing. All right. Let's bring on today's guest, Mark Yusko. He is the CEO and CIO of Morgan Creek Capital Management. Mark, good morning. Can you hear us? Hey, good morning, guys. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. How's it going? Awesome. Doing well. Doing well. Loved well, uh, your conversation so far this morning. Well, we were just talking pot. Uh, I don't know how closely you follow that uh, the industry, Mark, but do you have thoughts here? Uh, I don't want to get too deep into it, but you know, the thing you're, you're just talking about, canopy growth, look, that and, and other stocks, like they could go down 90% from here and still be overvalued. I, I, you know what, Mark? I'm completely on board with that. I completely agree. If, and we've been talking on this show. I think we're the only people. But I have been, we've been talking bearish about the pawn stocks on the show for a year. Yeah. And it's, not, a, a it's not bearish on the company or the industry. No. It's a valuation. With, yeah. It has nothing to do with – look, Canopy Growth has $200 million. They lose a shit ton of money. That's a technical term. And it's a $6 <laughs> so it's okay billion market cap. Yeah, hit the buzzer. <laughs> That's okay to say. This is a technical term. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's so. true. I mean, from a valuation perspective, these things never made sense. They never made any sense. And the the story, I always say this: the story can carry a stock for a long time, but yes. when the story starts to cool off or break, that's when valuation starts to matter. And yep. that's what we saw. These were storied stocks in the beginning of you know in all 2018 and the beginning of 2019. Story cools off. Well, and the growth starts to cool off. All of a sudden, the top line starts to cool off. Well, the growth guys are like, I'm out. And the valuation yep. guys are saying what you're saying. It's not, you know, it's going to fall 90%. I'm still not going to buy the thing. Yeah, so look, there's it's, nobody it's, left to buy. Yeah, it's, it's the same as, you know, Beyond Meat. You know, we, um, yep. we were early investors, venture capital investors in Beyond Meat. You know, we made 45 times our money Ooh, wow, um, nice. to the exit. And current prices... It, it could fall again 90% and still be expensive. And that's before any of the issues around our seed oils, good, bad, indifferent. It's just based on pure valuation. So um, I don't know. You know, Tesla's my other one, favorite one to hate, right? It's been dead money for four years. I was it's dead money that this one. year. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's just the story can take you a long way. The test lemmings, they can stick around for a long time. But, you know, the equity of that company. I'll still argue is is probably worthless. The debt well, holders. Will I was going to ask you about that, Mark, because they have their truck event late late tonight. If you're on the East Coast, 11 p.m., and the stock is sort of run up into it. But yeah, no. So what 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 would have to happen for you to change your change your mind here? They they'd actually have to make money without cooking the books. I mean, it it just not company that, that makes sense as a, as a stock. I mean, the company is fine. The product is fine, but you know, they got huge competition risk. Their margins are horrible. 
you know, they've, they've done some funky accounting stuff to, to get a, a one quarter earnings gain. You know, they've, they've burned a billion dollars, a billion with a B of, of earnings this year uh, for the full year. It's it just, there's just nothing, there's no there there from a valuation perspective. I mean, these guys, you look at compared to Ford and we say, oh, but Ford's a horrible company. I don't care. Ford sells a lot of cars and they actually make money on some of the cars. Tesla doesn't make money when they sell a car. It's just a silly, silly valuation. Could this get to a point though where they, if they started to make money and let's say, you know, all of a sudden they weren't burning cash and there wasn't, you know, the accounting, you know, gains that were helping the quarters along, yep. would that change your mind then? I think we're losing. Market. I think what changed my mind is, and I'll ask you guys, would you buy a Tesla for $60,000, a Tesla Model 3? <clears throat> Uh, uh, maybe. I mean, I don't. Maybe I don't know. I kind of like the truck. I might buy <laughs> I the mean, truck. Sixty thousand dollars. You pay sixty sixty thousand dollars for something that you could get at a competitive car for thirty five from another I, manufacturer. I mean, it's the it's a novelty of it, right? Oh, I, sure. And and they are cool cars. Like my my one friend uh, uh, just bought just bought it the te- the Tesla Model Three the Performance, and I drove that car, and I was like. It's pretty incredible, Mark. I mean, it's it's a battery, and that thing goes zero to sixty in three point two seconds. Okay, okay, I, I got it. I got uh, that. Is, that is so it's cool kind of cool that way. How Your often, average person might not, though. How often do you get to use zero to sixty? <laughs> I was looking for police officers when I was. <laughs> you, the only time is when you're getting on the freeway. Yeah, pretty from, much. And in LA, they didn't even use it then, but. It's just, it's, I don't know. The whole thing's kind of silly. The, well, the, other, the other crazy thing is a driver of the car is fine because you, you expect a sudden acceleration. Try being a passenger in that car. I get motion sick when I'm a passenger oh, I, I in a agree. Tesla. Yeah, you don't want to punch it too hard because uh, I agree. Actually, I had a little bit of a shoulder injury and, and he hit it the first time. I was like, this is probably not good for my shoulder. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. But it's a, the, the power is incredible from a battery. Like, it's so weird because, you know, when you're in a, if you're in a Corvette and it goes zero to 60 in three seconds, the motor's right. firing, it's loud, you, and here it's, like, yep. quiet. It's just so weird. I know, the torque of the electric drivetrain, but that's the problem is they didn't invent the electric drivetrain. Getting a Chevy Bolt and you'll feel the same surge of power. It's not as cool looking, but, you know, they messed up on the, uh, the aesthetic of it, but it's the same electric drivetrain, no difference at all. No, I mean, no innovation, is, nothing, nothing unique. And this is a good point that you're making. So right now, Tesla is a huge chunk of the electric car market, but we know Ford, GM, Toyota are all coming out with their electric cars as well. So the dynamics of the industry yeah. are going to change significantly. You obviously have companies that you say make money. They're not in issues of burning cash. And they're going to be coming out with electric cars too. And they're going to probably come out with some pretty cool cars as well. So is there a certain point where the Tesla novelty wears off because of competition from your traditional automakers in the electric car market? Yeah. We're on the line with Mark Yusko, CEO and CIO of Morgan Creek Capital Management. Uh, Mark, I just want to go back to that, that Beyond Meat real quick. You said yeah. you, you were in pre-IPO and that you exited the trade. And you know, we talked to individual traders and investors and obviously your long-term holder. Was it, was it something that you got in that you had like a particular target on it that you wanted to exit or was it the price action? What is a, a money? How does a money manager, you know, exit a stock like that? What does he look like? Uh, different because you know, we were, we were day one investors. We put, we put venture capital into the company five years ago. And then on the IPO, we were locked up for six months 
And, and I prayed every day of that six months that it would stay up. You know, when it hit 240, um, it, was, it was crazy, right? It had gone up 10X from the IPO, $25 IPO, went up to 240. And if I could have got out then, obviously I would have, but, but I couldn't. And on the day of the IPO, I mean, uh, the lockup expiration, you know, the stock fell 20%. And that sucked because, you know, we lost 20% of what we could have made, but I was selling as fast as I could get out that day. So, you know, to me, there was nothing technical or, or, you know, looking at the trade, it was just, Hey, we, we, our price was $2, literally $2. And I mean, our cost yeah. and, uh, uh, it was a good win for us. What are your thoughts where it goes from here? I mean, it's $78. Down. It still feels no, down. down, just flat out down. A lot. down, a lot. I mean, look, it's, it's a perfectly good company. It's a perfectly good product. A lot of people like it, but the valuation of that stock, I mean, the stock has $80 million of revenue, 80, eight zero. And it's got a multi, multi-billion dollar valuation. That's just silly. And you know, I think and I'm, I'm going to get this wrong, but I'm going to get directionally right. It's market cap is equal to Wendy's, um, Red Robin, uh, Shake Shack. That's absurd. Um, go, you know, uh, whatever. It's like seven different burger places all rolled into one. And it's just, there's no there there. It's like, it's like uh, Claire used to say, where's the beef? Well, obviously there's no beef, but... <laughs> Uh, Mark, you've been uh, bearish uh, this market here. You made some at least bearish comments uh, in, in in the past, and w- oh yeah, we, we've had all these we've had all these concerns: the trade war and the yield curve and the 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 Fed o- the overnight repo markets, and it doesn't matter because we're here. We are. Back no, 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 no. I've, I've been so wrong this year. Um, now I take some solace in the fact that when I said the market was overvalued and was going to go down was a year ago, October. And since then, you know, the market's only up like five and a half percent. So it's not this huge thing that everybody talks about. You know, it's amazing how everyone today had nothing in the stock market as of December 24th of last year and put all of the money in on December 25th. And so they're all up 25%. Everybody is up 25%. Obviously, that's not true. That's everybody but, on Twitter, though. That's everybody on Twitter. You're right. Everybody on Twitter. Nobody ever loses on Twitter, Mark. No, no. But here's the thing. Um, mistake I made uh, at the beginning of this year, because coming this year, I really thought this was going to be like 2001, that the tech wreck was going to unfold. That actually has happened. Look at some of these tech stock valuations. They're start, start, starting to collapse. I mean, here we are using Zoom to talk. Look, Zoom is a great business, a great company, but the stock is way, way, way overvalued. I mean, selling it at 40 something times revenues, just, just it's a silly number. It could go to, again, it could go to 90% and still be expensive. So these companies are trading at, at ridiculous multiples of sales, not even earnings. And Scott McNally said in 2000, if, if you pay me 10 times revenue for my stock, I have to, for you to make a 10% return, I have to give you all of my revenue for the next 10 years, which is kind of hard to do because if I don't pay taxes, I go to jail and I have 39,000 employees and I have some cost of goods sold. So companies selling at 20, 30, 40, 50 at, at beyond over a hundred times sales. 
So all these things are crazy. And I thought that would start to unwind and it, and it had started to unwind, but they called in the plunge protection team back in uh, December of last year and the banks started buying stock and the fed pivoted. And look, if you look around the world, I think it's uh, 80% of central banks globally are cutting rates, trying to, you know, reliquify global equity markets. And so far they've stopped them from going down. Right over the last year, they've basically been flat global equity markets, and now people say, "Oh, but it's up a lot this year." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, but it was down a lot the previous three months." So, I think we're in a very precarious place. I think the um, the debt markets are telling us so. Right, bonds continue to weaken. And I always say bonds live in the land of reality, while stocks live in the land. Uh, Mark, uh, I want to ask you about Bitcoin here. We're coming up on Thanksgiving. I'm going to say that's probably the most significant date on the calendar for Bitcoin. We, yeah. saw, we saw what happened two years ago. Uh, and then last year, it, that was that month or the week around the holiday was, the, was a big catalyst downward. So uh, big, big up move 2017, big down move 2018. What is in store for Thanksgiving 2019 in Bitcoin? No, look, it's a really great question, important question. And, and look, you know, we are huge fans of, of blockchain technology, cryptocurrencies, and, and Bitcoin in particular for the long term. Uh, in the short term here, you've got, you've got a lot of negative pressure coming into this, uh, you know, Thanksgiving week where everybody's home talking about it with their, you know, in-laws and their uncles and aunts and cousins. So I do think there is some some risk to the downside here. If you look at the chart, it's a it's an ugly it's an ugly looking chart. Uh, you, know, you had the big pop uh, from seventy four hundred to ten thousand uh, after the Xi announcement on uh, the support of blockchain back in October, and since then you know given about three quarters of that back. And I would not be surprised. I, I would not be surprised if we we revisited that seventy four hundred number. If that doesn't hold. There's, a, there's an air pocket risk to kind of 6,200, 6,100. And that level, I'm pretty comfortable. That's where you back up the truck and, and want to buy a lot. Um, why do I say that? Well, there's a, the way networks function, the way they work is, you know, you, you get um, more people using something, you get adoption, and then that adoption creates movement. And then the movement, speculators drive the price up above fair value and then something happens there's some negative catalyst and, and you get a correction and then it spikes down through fair value and gets gets below fair value so uh, as that happens you get a series of higher lows and if you look at Bitcoin over the 11 years that it's been alive it's had 10 years where the annual low was higher than the previous year only in 2015 that it it was the low for the year, a little bit lower than 2014. But every other year, the value of the network has been rising. And so that, that uh, it's called the never look back value uh, is around 6,200. And I think that's where uh, we'll settle in. And that's where the accumulators, uh, the long-term buyers like us are going to come in and, and uh, continue to increase our exposure. So uh, short-term, I'm a little nervous, but uh, long-term, huge fan.
Quickie, uh, energy stocks. You're bullish on energy stocks here. Uh, set up that scenario for us. Gold. Uh, well, I want to be bullish. Let me, let me qualify that. I want to be bullish on energy stocks. Talk about falling knives. I mean, I don't have any metal gloves right now. I need to get my oyster shucking gloves on to catch these knives. Okay. But um, here's the thing. I, I think that we are three months-ish away from the oil market uh, getting into some pretty serious balance. I think it's possible that OPEC announces a big cut here at their meeting in the first week of December. Uh, it's not surprising that the OPEC meeting is on the same day as the Aramco IPO. So wouldn't surprise me for a cut then and that, that would spike prices and, and maybe get us some recovery. The problem is right now, everybody is selling the energy stocks, the MLPs, they're just puking them dragging. Nobody wants to have these things on their books at the end of the year. So the short-term momentum is still pretty bad, but man, the valuations are, are really quite attractive and the fundamentals for the, the best operators uh, in US uh, oil and gas production are, are really quite strong for the next decade. All right, Mark Yusko is the CEO and CIO of Morgan Creek Capital Management. Mark, as always, thank you so much for the time. Yep, and, thanks uh, for having me, guys. And have a good holiday. All right, take care of you too. Thanks, Talk Mark. To thanks, Mark. Uh, S&Ps, we had a little pop there uh, up to uh, 31.14.50. So we've already had uh, really our range for the day, <laughs> basically, based on the uh, nine-day average trading range. So a lot of chop and slop here, but uh, pre-market high now at uh, 1450. Pre-market low, way down at 91 and a quarter. A lot of indecision here uh, in the market on, on this Thursday. Uh, Meritrade still holding up here. Looks like a, around a $50, $52 price here. I don't mm -hmm. know if anything official has been answered to that. Triple D, uh, what are you seeing out there? Are you going to... Uh, any movers there no, that we mixed i mean we're seeing obviously and you know you can look here the tlt is weak here this morning so obviously banks are showing a little bit of strength on the tlt weakness uh really then you can go over and you know the stories of the morning is going to be this schwab ameritrade deal um i still find it very interesting that e-trade is now trading down six and a half percent on this and interactive brokers is trading up on it so i can't understand you know it's now an eight percent discrepancy between those two stocks I don't grasp why that is happening um, because I would think what's good for your interactive brokers or what's bad for E-Trade should be bad for interactive brokers too. Market obviously seeing something else. Maybe they think IB doesn't care. Uh, maybe they see, you know, IB has never have been having been a target and E-Trade was a target before. So maybe that's the rationale for why, you know, E-Trade's down significantly because obviously it's not the target anymore. Uh, but, you know, it's a good morning for Meritrade shareholders. It looks like a deal is going to be announced. Schwab, applauding the synergies here because often on these deals we see them go down in this case the synergies are overpowering that a schwab straight up nine percent all right let's go to some ratings here we got a couple minutes left in our show big one big paper from ubs yeah ubs this morning is downgrading lamb research applied materials and kla all to sell and with kla they're skipping neutral altogether it's a double downgrade from buy to sell is this must just be a valuation call? Is that what it's all about? Because oh, all of these stocks have been ripping, really. Like when you put it in perspective, I know the last couple of days they've cooled off, but really, you know, they've been ripping all year. So I don't have the note in front of me. Is this a valuation call? Yeah, neither, neither do I. I didn't even look for it. 
Okay. I'm assuming this is probably a valuation call. Uh, LRCX, this is $200 back in August. is 274 where it's closed. It's going to be 266 down on the downgrade there. KLA, 10 core, same thing. Stocks are at 125 back in August, 175. They're just ripped. I mean, these stocks have run and run and run. Applied materials, 45 bucks. Got up to almost $65 there after the print on their new earnings there. And it's come off a little bit too. So they're saying time to book the profits, I guess. I mean, you got to give the analysts credit. They're going contrarian. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're going contrarian. They're making a bold call. You do not see the sell word come from the street very often. So when it does, investors take note. I'm not surprised that these stocks are down significantly because um, you know they don't like seeing that sell word on the street. This is a tough one because these stocks have had extended runs here and now you're getting that full swoop. So if you're, you know, I don't know if it's really to buy the dip here, right here on this open and fade this. I would just keep an eye on the pre-market lows. You have uh, AMAT just hanging out here at 57.7, 57.80. Has a distance itself from the pre-market low. I think I could really, ooh, we're filling a gap here at 57.22. Or not 22, but 57.20. So there you're getting a gap fill. There was also three tops at that area, four tops, five tops at that area. So let's see if it can hold and rebound LRCX. Uh, Higher price stock, probably a little bit less liquidity. Trading down seven dollars. You're not even to the gap yet, uh, the top of the gap here. So fifty-one ninety-five. That's uh, that's still five bucks away. That means my first area of interest. If you get continuation through the pre-market low, and then KLAC. Oh, that always seems like an airline to me, but uh, it's trading. Uh, this is a real thin one. Trading down five twenty. At 168.47, one daily low there, 168.33. There's your confluence after that. You had a spike down to 160. I don't know what that not was. Not much in there. Uh, yeah, not thin one, not much in there. It's just uh, they left AMD alone here. Uh, AMD over $40. I will. Is this not incredible? So here you go. It's a good point. Yeah. AMD has been running and running and running and running and running. And it was actually up last night. Maybe it's, a, you know, why it's not down as much on this downgrade because Intel announced a delay. AMD was trading up on that as well last night. Comes out, gets a downgrade this morning uh, from Northland. And you know what? They're kind of shrugging it off. It's only down 40 cents, 45 cents. And this stock has been incredible. Since it was 28 and running and I'm, I'm kicking myself. We looked at that. We looked oh, at well, I, I set it up. I set uh -huh. up a trade on the show that day when it was like $29. I was like, your stop out's below 28. If you want to buy it here and you think it can run, um, your, your risk is you're a, risk in a yeah. dollar. Yeah. I yep. set it up. I did not take the trade. I set the whole thing right up. I don't often set up trades on the show. So I'm really kicking myself that I did not participate in something that I was that bullish on. Well, I wasn't that bullish. I was just saying you had defined risk and it had shown life. And, you know, I was talking about the candle that the one green, the first green candle, I think it was that day. And there must have been a catalyst or something. There was something going on. But it was trading up like 29 in the pre-market. I was like, you're showing some life here. And it kept ripping that day. I'm going back to October 11th. Then it ripped up to 30 and the next day and the next day. And we've just been going up ever since. And now the stock is just hot. The story is hot again. The stock is hot again. Gets downgraded. Kind of getting shrugged off here this morning. I mean, this story is hot. It's, you know, but again, now, if you're buying it now, you're buying somebody else's profit. Yeah. You're late to the party. Yeah, those two calls that I had in 2015, I got to get those back. Two dollars. Uh, two dollars. I lost money on them. Two. It was two points forever. It was two and points one for to, years. One and a half to two. I know. Um, I will alert our AMD traders. There 
is a potential double top in the issue. Uh, your highs from your last two sessions, 41.75, 41.79, the recent high of the move. Uh, now that we're backing off that area, I'm going to look to see if we can uh, improve on the uh, closing high, the multi-year closing high at 41.29. Yesterday's high or yesterday's close, 40.98. So on a pop here, I think you start finding sellers here after the downgrades at 41 AMD. Uh, just right. a couple other, just before I want to mention Uber, we didn't mention it here yet. We have a big insider buy here, and that is why Uber is trading up here. Wondering what is Uber doing? Why is it up 50 cents this morning? Uh, Spencer, you got that? Yeah. It was like 7 yeah. million. I huge. CEO, uh, the, the CEO last night bought 250,000 shares of the common stock at 26.75 a share on the 18th. And that's why the stock is trading up significantly. So about 26.75, big, you know, it's, that's almost $7 million. About almost $7 million worth of stock. That is a vote of confidence that this thing needed. Um, I'm not, I'm actually surprised not at more. Um, it's up 50 cents here in the pre-market. I think it's going to be a sleepy rally here. I think there's room to 30. So by, you know, and if they, if, if for whatever reason they hit this thing, so you, whenever you set up a trade, you got to have an out. And if I was buying this thing up 50 cents and saying, I think it should be up more. If it goes red then it's telling me, okay, the sellers are just too powerful here. And if they can't give the, you know, even rally on that vote of confidence. But a lot of times what you see is big money comes in after 930 and starts ripping. So if I'm buying it, I want to see immediate gratification. I don't want to see the stock start going down from where it opens. So if it, let's say it hypothetically opens at 2850 and I get long because I think it should be up over 29, which I, which I do. I think this should be up more than what it is trading right now. Um, I don't want, you know, start getting down in that trade. I want immediate gratification because this is also, you are going against the grain. This is a stock that is in a serious downtrend. So that working against you. But a lot of times what we see happen is a stock needs a vote of confidence to kickstart it and start to, you know, get up towards the upper end of that trend there again, obviously break the downtrend. This is the vote of confidence that maybe the stock's needed. Valuation still is obviously you can't value things that don't make money. So, you know, value investors aren't coming in here. But maybe it kicks the story a little bit for a bit. So I think there's potentially room to 30 here. Uh, just uh, you haven't taken out the uh, the top of the gap yet. That's your first target. That's a 29.30. That's still that's almost a buck away. Uh, the gap to fill in that, I believe that was from earnings. Uh, what do you have here? You have a where was that top of, or the bottom? Uh, you got a gap up to 30.12. So there you go. Clear yesterday's high. Get up to 30.12. You fill that little gap. And I just looked at the lift chart because several people I've talked to, they're looking at this sector that I respect. Uh, one, Gene Munster. He's more leaning towards Lyft than Uber. And I think Sean might have mentioned the same thing yesterday on our extended session. Uh, the key level here for Lyft, L-I-F-T. Hmm. I don't know. These numbers look farther apart, but you have a pair of highs uh, right at uh, 40, let's call it 45.18. That's splitting the highs from Tuesday and Wednesday. All right. That'll be it for today's show. I want to thank our guest, Mark Yusko. Thanks to everyone in both of our chat rooms, both on YouTube and premarket.benzinga.com. Catch our podcast. It's available wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify, wherever most podca podcast platforms we are on. 
or you can just rewatch our show on youtube.com. Uh, please remember all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes only and not for investing or trading advice. And uh, that's all I got, I think. So everyone have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you on Friday. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.